Hi, my name is Jack Lawrence, and welcome to episode 8 of my podcast. My guest today is Ben Johnston-Handy. You probably know Ben as the prolific TikTok creator with over 1.1 million followers. He makes videos on futurism, science, and most recently, he has a series on what to do in a dangerous or embarrassing situation. But Ben has done, and does, many other things, including writing, screenwriting, and theatre, all of which we get into in this conversation. I've been a huge fan of Ben's videos for a while, so it was super great to speak with him. We talk about a wide array of subjects in this podcast, including movies, writing, theatre, D&D, AI, and the nature of time itself. Ben is a humble, funny, spectacular explainer of ideas, and I think you'll walk away from this conversation with a lot, just as I did. So without further ado, here is Ben Handy. Take two stone tablets, carved. Problems are soluble. Problems are inevitable. If it disagrees with experiment, it's wrong. In that simple statement is the key to science. Why did you do this? Um, that's the thousand uh, why in this morning. There is no why. There's no why. There's no why. I'm in West London. Uh, oh, so... oh, fancy place. So oh, by well, the theaters and stuff, right? Yeah, well, I'm west of West. So I call it West. It's okay. west of that. Hmm. Uh, not in the West End, sadly. You won't be hearing any uh, uh, fine musical jingles. Oh, oh well. So, um, that's that's like I have just given you everything I know about London. Oh, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't know. The theaters are in the West End. <laughs> that's the most important thing to know. Uh, I mean, I, to add to that knowledge, in North London you've got uh, Camden. Uh, that's the sort of like I guess the dodgier, rougher part of town. It's got more sort of culture and rock venues. It, and it, it's funny because like just across the river from here is Camden, New Jersey. Oh, right which is yeah. like the rougher part of New Jersey. Yeah, it's exactly the same. <laughs> but, well, but but I wouldn't say it has culture and stuff. It's like it's it's got like extreme poverty. <laughs> well, okay, it's yeah. like a third world country, basically. You know, it, it, it's 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 a big problem. Yeah, I've heard stories about New Jersey, but it's one of those things where you're like, oh, are these people exaggerating. I can't make jokes because I've never been there. It just sounds like a rough, yeah. rough place. <laughs> well, it's officially the joke state of the United States. Hmm. Like we all make fun of it now. Florida is taking over. Right, like we're shifting say. it all over to Florida. But um, it is. But you no, know, Jersey's um, a weird place because it um, it, it essentially was just farmland and swamp, hmm. and then Philadelphia and New York blossomed right around it. And it's not big enough. I have friends who make fun of it. Friends who live there who make fun of it say the only reason New Jersey exists is because it's cheaper than building a bridge between Philadelphia and New York. Oof. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's like a train that goes between them, isn't it? So you can probably. Sleep oh yeah. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You Just can look you out can... the swamp. Like ah. Yeah. Well, they've turned most of the swamp now into. Um houses because you know people used to think swamps were just useless bits of real estate, but now we're like, yeah, yeah. One, uh, when it rains real hard, those swamps like to turn back into swamps. <laughs> there's a reason that that water was there. And two, uh, wetlands are, of course, the most vital ecosystem that we have. Well, maybe second after jungle. Yeah, still, still important. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. uh, the extent of capitalism and population demand. I'm actually going to be. I booked flights to go to New York. So I've got a couple of friends there. Um, uh, so I'm going to be dropping by in April. Um, so oh. uh, I haven't been over that side of the pond for a long time. Um, so uh, I might see if I can stop by new jersey actually that'd be interesting i've heard so the only other thing i know about new jersey is my chemical romance like the guys are from new jersey that's like literally it i'm like because they normally introduce themselves it's, there, there there's no reason to go to new jersey itself mm. like it there's nothing about it that you would go there and go oh this is what jersey's like it's a wildly different thing there's areas of it just like you know i'm sure 
uh, England. It's like if somebody said, oh, I'm going to go to England. Yeah. And yeah. then you went, well, well, going to England won't tell you anything about England. You got to like, what, what is it about England you're looking for? Yeah. Um, there's no one place you can go that'll give you the real flavor of it. It's just we make fun of it. The one main thing is, and um, they they have uh, the most inconsistent traffic patterns that there are. That's interesting. Because you, you, you go, and if you have to make a left turn in New Jersey... You don't know if you need to be in the far right lane or the far left lane to do it huh. because they have these things where they're called jug handles and you go in the far right lane and then you have to go off and you go around like this and you're not allowed to make a left turn. Oh. But they've got other places where you just make a left turn. In fact, a friend of mine and I noticed there was one intersection, four-way intersection, and you had a different way to make a left turn in each of the four possible ways to make a left turn, it was like a turning bay in one, just a straight up left turn in another, go right to make a left in another, and the other one was just no left turns were allowed. Maximum difficulty. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and that's the problem with New Jersey driver. When we say Jersey drivers, that's the problem is you literally just have to know where you you're coming up and you're like, I, I have no, I've never been in this part of Jersey before. I don't know what I have to do in order to get where I'm going and that's the problem <laughs> yeah it's it's the weird thing but that's the main thing i'd say about jersey that if you want to learn something about that's that's what you need to know about jersey because if you're driving in jersey it's a hellscape <laughs> gotcha gotcha good to know all right if i ever do my road trip across america i'll uh i'll stay in chief for that yep. i'll stick on the i saw a cgp gravity the other day which is all about the i-95s like the um horizontal and vertical different roads and the sort of the numbering system and that's and like oh yeah there's some sort of logic to them um anyway we're already getting carried away already getting carried yes away. yes yes um, yes, yes. <laughs> this is a good sign. bring um, us back so yeah we're so recording we're, so I, at first i was going to be like oh we're wasting all this good stuff but then i was like, oh wait you are recording, recording. So this, yeah 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 well we can put this, this is... in so yeah dude, it's so great to finally speak to you uh how are you doing yeah yeah it's great i'm i'm doing well i'm doing well um, I, uh, I mean, I guess I, I'll, I'll, I, I'll share with you before I share it with TikTok is I had a, I went to a doctor recently and my triglycerides are just insane and my blood sugar is too high and stuff. So I'm going to start doing a lot more health videos as I start to focus my life on, um, getting those aspects of my life in order. Oh, and, um, you know, I, I, I thought about stuff like I'm trying to do, like, I'm going to start doing live a lot more often. I don't go live hardly ever. And I'm going to go live while I'm on the treadmill. And um, be great, my, actually, my, yeah. my goal is to, I have a million followers now, so I'll have a million people to keep me accountable. And that's, we're going to see how that works out for me. So that's going to be a, a different tone to some of my videos soon. And um, I actually think I might do some mukbang videos for weight loss, like where I sit there and I just eat enormous amounts of Brussels sprouts. Which, oh, I think that'd be fantastic. I think these, these are yeah, like amazing yeah. ideas. Yeah, so that's that's uh, some changes that I'm planning. Um, although obviously I've been I've been all over the place with my account. So well, that's part of the fun, right? Which uh, and I think uh, I've certainly noticed this with some creators who, uh, with science creators particularly, where they call themselves like the astro person or space this. I'm really glad that my account just has my name because I can talk about whatever I want and it doesn't feel. Yeah. Like yeah. No, that's yeah. true. That's true. I, I didn't think about that benefit when I named, I just named it because I was like, yeah, Ben J handy. That's, yeah. that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah, which. So how long have you been doing TikTok then? Oh, early in the pandemic, I started. Mm. 
and I um I do think I have a different perspective than a lot of the larger creators because when I started, I I I was a year before I got my first video that got a thousand views. Mm, wow. Okay. Um, and um, then I started pretty consistently getting a thousand, and I was real excited the first time I got to ten thousand. Um, and um, you know, I was I was hanging out there, and I got a thousand followers, which meant I could go live. And I thought, oh, great! And I was talking about doing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast at this point. And a lot of my content was D&D based at that time mm. um, with jokey stuff thrown in. And then um, I had hit 7,000 followers and I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm getting big. Moving up in the and, world, yeah. Right. And then I did um, a video. Uh, uh, I started doing a couple of satirical conspiracy theory videos where I mm. came up with insane conspiracy theories. And um, then I did the one that I said, you know, you should swallow one piece of gum every seven years, which got at, at this point has 16 million views. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Crazy, um, crazy. Yeah. And actually, it's actually technically 17 million because I've re-released it twice. And those oh, wow. two together have a million views. Um, so I and I I did that because there was a thing, you know, what's your most successful video? Yeah, yeah. end of last year, December, where it was impossible to release any new videos because it was just the greatest hits month. Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I joined in with that because why not? Mm-hmm. So that, that's been um, my thing. And then that got me 100,000 followers like within a day. Oh my God, wow. Um, and I, I've, I've uh, and from then I've just kind of grown steadily with, with jumps as I release another big video like another video goes big mm. um that would be you know like um well the the my trying to explain the fourth dimension amazing video um, amazing video thank you yeah that's actually um among my favorite videos i uh i uh it was i was i was uh it was a very thoughtful video it was one that i you know one that I, it was not something i just did you know I, I i really thought about it a long time i actually had to order apples <laughs> <laughs> from um from well, there, there's there's a service that's not that's in the U. it's not not even across the whole united states yet called GoPuff, and um they they basically imagine a convenience store that delivers nice nice yeah but yeah. it's more like amazon they have warehouses all around philadelphia so they'll just within an hour get all kinds of whatever you want yeah. to you and they i ordered apples from them and, did you need an apple though would it not with another fruit I, not have done <laughs> I, I I really wanted an apple because I I very if you if you remember in the video I I, I like the idea that the seeds exactly yeah, yeah. that was the moment and yeah, I yeah. I did a couple of takes on it where I tried to slice the apple I had a box cutter that I was slicing the apple and I just couldn't make it work and I realized you know what I'm never going to be able to I, I'm going to run out of apples before I do it right <laughs> <A> last prop <laughs> yes so, well, so I decided video, would you would you mind just explain would you would you mind sure sure um, I, yeah. I I don't have an apple unfortunately so you have to imagine one but um basically what I'm trying to do is explain the the nature of the fourth of a four-dimensional space-time mm. and and how um i say and people argue with me about this but mm. i say that time is just another uh dimension of space-time that, that mm. we've got forward backward up down left right future and past mm. and we perceive it as being this very different type of of dimension 
but that's only because we don't see it very well. And then to explain that, I talk about an apple. And the apple, imagine I have an apple, um, is sentient. And it can perceive things, but it can only perceive in three dimensions. Okay, so that means that where we perceive in four dimensions, but the fourth dimension we don't see well. So it really sees in two dimensions really well. And it can only see an infinitely small slice of the third dimension at a time, just as we can only see an infinitely small slice slice of the fourth dimension at a time and we call that slice the present and then the present those slices build up in our memory to create the past Mm -hmm. and we believe that the future is unwritten but that's where you get into it yeah yeah, well well, yeah we'll discuss that so 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 then the apple would see similarly but the third dimension so it would imagine it First of all, I, I, have, I should make it clear that the apple, a lot of people say, oh, well, it would see itself as a, as a picture or, or, or a reflection. But that is a two-dimensional image of a three-dimensional object. It does not understand the third dimension. Mm. It wouldn't see itself that way. It would see itself in slices. So in the beginning, it's entire, it, would, it would perceive its entire existence it's present as being a slice of itself at a time. So it would see, I am just a peel. And then as it moved through its three-dimensional life, it would go, now I'm a peel with a little bit of fruit. Now I'm more fruit than peel. And it would go along until I have seeds. And that was the moment. I, 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 I really think that if an app, if this apple existed, that would be like a magical time in its life. It would be like, like uh puberty it would be like getting pregnant it would be all those 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 landmarks in our life it would have that and then as it moved through it would no longer have seeds and that would be a maturing apple and then as it reached the end of it it would see its own life as ending and and it could imagine because it's got this 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 memory of this apple before it that maybe it could find a way to extend itself and live further but as a creature capable of fully seeing the third dimension we know no you're just this apple you have no more and of course we could never communicate with this apple that's Mm -hmm. that's another fallacy in terms of thinking um because this apple we would perceive its entire existence that it sees in a in a way of of slices we see that all at once so a creature that if there were a fifth dimension and there were a four dimensional creature, people think, oh, then they could travel through time. No, they would see our entire existence as a static object. Mm. They wouldn't, they wouldn't see us. They would see us as a baby and as an old person, literally no different than we see one end of an apple and the other end of an apple. Mm. And so if there is a fifth dimension, those those things there would be no communicating with them there's no conceivable way their their existence operates on such a different level if there is no fifth dimension and there were a creature capable of fully perceiving the fourth dimension it would not be alive in any way that we would consider it alive because it would be there would be no change in its life because time is the dimension by which consciousness experiences change so that is how we um that's how we move through and and, and um uh, i 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of. No, no, no. no, 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 no I have it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so I so the yeah, the way I think about that is like a, a similar animation as if you're if you're sort of like going through slices of an apple, you start with the end bit, go through, get the seeds, go to the very end, and it's sort of like uh, on a 2D plane, it would sort of expand out to be the maximum uh radius when it's in the middle of the apple with the seeds in the bit, and then it contracts and a sort of 3D analog of that would be like, you know, we start off as, you know, a fertilized egg, expand out to you know your greatest mass as a human and then you know contract a little bit probably you know uh towards uh old age and then you know your 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 death as it were uh when uh your matter shrinks to be decomposed or you know cr- cremated or whatever and that expansion and then contraction over time is the same as us slicing through the apple and then finishing it off uh, have you read slaughterhouse five um because it's yes uh, yeah yes yeah. so right the idea of being um of, of being uh Attached from time and how yeah. he floated through. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's that's of course similar to that mm. thought. Um, mm. But the difference there is Vonnegut was talking about somebody who uh, he was still he still very much had a perception of time as a changing force in his life. Mm. Um, and he he felt that he was experiencing different things. I, I there's actually a fun story about Vonnegut, which I don't know if you've ever seen the movie with Rodney Dangerfield called uh, Back to School. No, I haven't. No. Um, no. It, it's it's not it's not like a really great movie or anything, but um, in it, it, he's he's a he's a he's a and, and Rodney Dangerfield. He's Rodney Dangerfield's age. I mean, he's like sixty years old. He's a very successful businessman whose son is in school, and he finds that his wife is cheating on him. He leaves his wife, and he decides to visit his son at school. And when he's there, he realizes he's never gotten a college degree, and he would like to spend more time with his son. So he enrolls in the school and of course he's in school now and he's a very rich man so he's doing all kinds of very rich things and he cheats on his final exams and he has somebody write his paper on kurt vonnegut and he actually pays kurt vonnegut to write the paper for him and the teacher fails him and says the person you wrote who wrote this knows nothing about kurt vonnegut (laughs) and the funny thing is if you talk to most english teachers they will say that slaughterhouse five is about a person experiencing um trauma from a horrible moment in their lives and they keep reliving it and 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 that's what the book is about and kurt vonnegut has always said is like no it's a science fiction story about a guy who becomes detached from time and he goes and he gets abducted by aliens it's not that at all and and so but 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 repeatedly, there are people who've done master's theses, and Kurt Vonnegut is like, that's not what the book is about. <laughs> I told you guys. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just thought that was a really funny moment there. And that's a fun story about Kurt Vonnegut disagreeing with all the experts on his own book. I didn't know. That's very funny. Yeah. Well, I, we can definitely come back to that. And I think there's an interesting question around to what extent the artist's uh, intentions for the art uh, are what's valid. Um, yeah. Or, um, but like it come back to the time thing. I, I mentioned it because I think the, the aliens in Vonnegut's story, whose name I can't remember now, they're, no, the, yeah, because they, I think that was exactly what you said. They could sort of see the fourth dimension as one complete unit. And so if they came across someone that was dead, they would be like, oh, yeah, I mean, sometimes they're dead, sometimes they're alive. Just like, you know, if you're moving through space, sometimes there's an apple there, sometimes there's not an apple there. Right, um, right. And it's no big deal. You know, just like, ah, you know, your, your existence is sort of permanent in the space time as it were so i take it you're you're a yeah. uh, you're a determinist then like me uh if you have um not. Ooh, okay. actually not oh, interesting okay. so here we go okay so um and i can't remember the name of this it's one of the it's uh, they call it a paradox it's not really a paradox now imagine there is a a supercomputer 
Okay. okay. Yeah. And this supercomputer is so powerful that it can, with 100% accuracy, predict your actions. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So determinism says this is a very valid possibility. Yeah. Yeah. In principle, right? it, could, it could be calculated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so there's a box, there's two boxes, sorry, A and B. Yeah. And it, you, you know, box B has a thousand dollars in it. Yeah. Box A may or may not have $1 million in it. Okay. You may choose box A or box B or box A and B, but you were told three weeks ago, that computer made a prediction about what you would choose. And if you choose box A and B, then box A is empty. But if you choose just box A, box A will have a million dollars in it. Now, you know the computer is 100% accurate in its prediction. But if you choose box A and B, you know, you, so, so there's either a million dollars right now looking at it. You know, yeah. there's either a million dollars in box A or there's not a million dollars in box A. And nothing can change that. So it makes sense to choose box A and B, right? Because you get an extra thousand dollars. Yeah, without 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 the information from the computer. Yeah, if you if we if we if you hadn't had that prediction, then you might as well take both because yeah, there's no downside. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, but if you just choose box A, then you get a million dollars. Yeah. If the, assuming the computer is correct. Yeah. But. Why not just take box B? Because either that box is the million dollars is there or not. So basically what I'm saying is your future, your your future was determined three weeks ago based on a decision you make now. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 that's a really, I think the issue with that is that we contradict the premise whereby we say at the beginning, the computer can calculate everything perfectly. Um, and it's possible the computer doesn't have complete information. So it sets up. It is, like but that, but yeah. but in this hypothesis, we are saying that it is correct. We the, in the in the magic if we're using mm. the computer is correct in this. Um, it's, it's correct, it, but so but well, it's it's not a perfect analogy. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so essentially, yeah. Um, you know those um, like snap bracelets. Uh, they're they're wibbly wobbly. it's like a metal bra- metal thing, and when you extend it fully. And then it's rigid. Yes, yes. That's actually how I kind of think how the universe works in terms of time. Okay. I think there's actually a fair amount of give from our perspective that a that, that a, 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 a being that is capable of perceiving the entire four dimension or any 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 object there sees the entire universe as a static object with no change happening. Yeah, as, for, as far as time goes. Yeah. Right. But from inside. I think there's a fair amount of wibbly wobbliness. It's just when it's all done, it snaps into place. So I think that there, there is actually a possibility, a conceivability is a better way to put it. Yeah. Possibility is too strong a word, but it is conceivable to me that there is such thing as free will. And it's just that the apple actually can change its shape from within that as it moves through its life slice by slice mm. it might have i don't know what an apple could do i mean yeah, maybe yeah, 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 yeah. decide to have a worm or, i, I yeah, don't know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but but that's going through there but from our perspective that's all happened every decision that apple has made every decision that is made by these 
hypothetical three-dimensional perceptions, all of those decisions are made because their entire existence consists of one infinitely slice, one infinitely small slice of our fourth dimension. That would be their entire existence. The entire universe, the entire three-dimensional universe would just be yeah. That would be how they would perceive it, a very yeah. small part of it. So similarly, if there were a fifth dimension, our entire universe, big bang to heat death of the universe, yeah, yeah. is just a single moment of their fifth dimension. Mm. And But from within, we're seeing all this stuff happen. And I think that it's possible that every decision that they, they just see it after the fact after we've done all these things mm. that have determined the exact shape and nature of the universe. And again, I don't have a great analogy for it. The snap bracelet and the, the other thing with the computer is the best ones I've come up. With. Well, I, well, I might, well, I might have something for you because uh, uh, it's because a lot of the ideas um, you said have similarities to ideas in the metaphysics of time that I've, I've read about. Um, so um, it sounds like what you're saying is you're basically saying, yeah, okay, so if we had some high-dimensional being who was looking down at all of space-time, all of time in one instantaneous fifth-dimensional moment, um, everything's already been done. What this, How this conversation plays out, they can see how it's played out and what we go on to do with the rest of our lives following this conversation. Um, it, from our perspective, we, however, you know, how those events play out, how the movie ends, uh, that didn't necessarily always have to be that way. So they will see a sequence of events uh uh all in one moment but we in our sort of like little subjective little bubble here as you say have some wheel room have some sort of agency on what they might see so the apple perhaps you know as a sense of like as it's growing or like it, it as we're as we're cutting through it to see what happens there is some agency in like what a particular slice looks like even though when we're holding the apple it's been done and dusted is that kind of like what you're yeah yeah it, it it's 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 a it's a it really has to do with what your perception is hmm. And um, I don't know. Consciousness seems like a pretty remarkable thing. Yeah, I, I, and, I can't wrap my head around it. The more I think about um, it, and 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 that's where I basically go. You know what? I just—it's really hard for me to fully um, imagine that there's no difference between a conscious entity and a rock. And I yeah. know it's just chemicals in our brain and all that but i don't know there's a ghost I, in the I, shell there's a ghost in the shell it definitely feels that way yeah um, yeah and yeah. uh uh so on the metaphysics of time so there's uh, there's three broad theories of basically just how to understand it uh and sketching them out very broadly the a theory of time is that um this present moment that we're experiencing now as conscious entities that that has to be something physical that can't just be an illusion and it's sometimes called the spotlight theory and then it says time has to have some element which is yet undescribed by physics where it as it's feel like you know we've got like a spotlight moving along a timeline um and sometimes that's sort of integrated a little bit more into physics uh with this idea of the growing space-time block theory where basically people will say, well, they say yeah like we totally accept einstein's ideas four-dimensional space-time uh, right. And you can sort of think of it as some sort of like block. Um, but they say, maybe we're at the edge of that and that block is growing. So the future is yet unbuilt. It's not like uh, it's not finished. So that's where free will might come into it because it's like, okay, we're still making this decision that the apple, the slices yeah. are happening. Uh, the apple is being sort of like rendered, if you like, from one bit. Of the, and we're like middle of the middle of the rendering. Um, and so that, that's like a, a, a an attempted sort of unification of uh, this idea of a present, some free will, but also Einstein's ideas. That's the the yeah. a theory of time. Uh, and it sounds like you're an atheist or or similar ideas to an atheist. There, 
So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually haven't read that much about those things. I just tend to think about them. A oh, lot. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way to do it, right? Uh, um, yeah. I can send you some stuff if you're interested. The uh, the other oh, yeah. the other theories of time are broadly what you'd expect. The B theory, which is basically just like futures determined. It's all atoms and molecules flying yeah. around. Laws, even if it's random to with quantum physics. Um, that doesn't mean there's free will involved or agency um, just because we can't predict something, yada, yada, yada. And then the C theory goes even further where they say, well, look, maybe time doesn't even have a direction. Um, maybe it's just, you know, we experience one like version of time events unfolding, but maybe that's arbitrary. Um, although that's harder to reconcile now because there are some laws of physics which are time asymmetric um, uh, as yeah. opposed to most of the laws of physics where it doesn't matter if you play them forwards or backwards. Um, but it's just yeah, right. It's but now they're at the quantum level. They're finding out that you uh, that they're well. They they have reversed. Well, the, the arrow of time they reversed at a quantum level. Yeah, there, there are you know, certain, yeah yeah there are certain that, that was a weird that was a weird. Well, I don't know. There were just so many weird headlines during the pandemic. <laughs> time crystals. We discovered time crystals. Nice. Um, the writers for this season are going nuts. Um, they are. They are. This is a. There are um, some superposition experiments where, yeah, you can set up something where you could potentially set up a time paradox, and obviously the universe doesn't let you. Um, um, but there are certain forms of symmetries um, across time which can't be broken in certain setups um, with um, the weak nuclear force, for example, uh, and yeah. I believe the Z particle, um, that's got a time asymmetry part. But it's 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 a very long stretch currently to go from, yeah, there's some time asymmetry here. Which explains entropy and everything that happens. Like we don't quite. Yeah, have that yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, and it gets, it gets, it, it's, it's like this. Uh, and that's where I basically learned that the further you go in, the there, there, there was a book written. And I just, I don't even know what the book was about. It's the title of the book always got me, which is "Everything You Know Is Wrong." <laughs> I'm so. And I. I honestly didn't even read the book. I just saw the title and that, that stuck with me. I don't even remember where I saw it, but I was like, just imagine that, that, that everything you know is wrong. And I'm like, more and more I go through life. I'm like, that just seems more and more accurate. <laughs> That's reassuring. Cause that, I I've described people as like, you know, me getting older is just progressively realizing a, how stupid I was in the past. Yeah. And B, how stupid I probably am now or how ignorant. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's such a, and, and then you, if you get into the um, the the philosophers, essentially, you, you have very few effective philosophers that don't have basically the same message, which is, we know nothing. Hmm. We, I know nothing, you know nothing, we know nothing. There's so much out there to know that at no point can we ever imagine that we know anything. Hmm. We, you know, it's it's like, you know, point zero 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 line over it all the way out to one, and how that's the same as zero. That's how much we know. It's an infinitely small amount, and therefore the same as nothing. And it's, and then I draw comfort from that. Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot to do, um, which is <laughs> which is good. I feel like you could draw some version of the philosophical Dunning Kruger curve, where you know, with most Dunning Kruger curves, oh, you reach certainty. No, no, with philosophy, it's just all the way down. <laughs> you just go, uh, you just go lower. <laughs> Um, oh, I had a joke once, which was, yeah, um, philosophy is the only degree where you walk out knowing less than when you walked in, if you did it right, um, uh, which uh, feels apt. Um, uh, there's definitely, I think, a distinction between 
knowledge and explanations, uh, which is useful or, or theories, right? Um, in the sense of like, there's in theory, like an infinite amount of facts that you could get even about like the air particles in my room right now, which we'll never right. know, and it wouldn't be useful to know, but we'll never know. It. And most knowledge right. is, is that, um, but the kinds of knowledge we normally care about are these nice, like unifying bits of tools, uh, toolkits that we can throw stuff into like Einstein's theories or particle physics or thermodynamics or yeah. what have you. Um, but still largely ignorant for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, fun, fun, fun joke just yeah, to throw in there. What's the difference between an art major and a philosophy major? I don't know. What is a, a philosophy major will ask why you want fries with your meal. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, I mean, I, um, when I got into, uh, I'll do my master's in the philosophy of physics. One of my uh, friends sent me a meme, which was, uh, like someone collapsing and someone saying, uh, we need a doctor. <laughs> and then, Photoshop my face. <laughs> sort of like, I'm a doctor of philosophy. <laughs> it's like that's not it's not helpful right now. <laughs> it's, it's not what we need. No, no. But I, I actually one of my mentors. He was a. You can look him up if you want. He was a guy named Ken Nisley. K n i s l Ken Nisley. N i s e l y. I might have the e in the wrong place, but no. He he did a show called No Dogs Are Philosophers Allowed. Um, before YouTube existed, he he literally drove a cab to raise money so that he could make this show on public access television. Wow! And he was he was the the, the I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and he, the Richmond public school system hired him also to teach philosophy to middle school kids, which is when I met him, and then later for high school kids. So I like thought I wasn't going to see him again. And then he came in and he was teaching at my high school. Amazing. So I, I had that. And then he created this group called the Richmond Philosophical Society. And it was lots of young people. And he, he really saw himself as Aristotle. And yet I think he wanted to be accused of corrupting the youth of the city and forced to drink hemlock. But um, Tried his best, huh? <laughs> so yeah, but out. no, it, it, honestly, if you look it up now, now there are still philosophy courses that use his show they, the tapes of his show to teach it's he, he really had a big impact when he died they um they mentioned it on uh, national public radio that, oh wow what a legacy his death yeah he was he was a great guy um but his his thing just to share a thing that's pretty cool he said the tool of the philosopher is the hammer that in the beginning you use a hammer like a um like think of a tuning fork hmm. and you tap it and see if it's sound and then if it's not then you use the hammer as a tool and you try to fix it and if you can't fix it then it's your job to smash it <laughs> the three-part stage yeah no, that that sounds quite apt actually yeah yeah, yeah. does it does it work can i fix it get rid of it <laughs> yeah that's the process so what did you so obviously you had this mental what's what's your story up until tiktok i mean uh, or that um, oh yeah well, no no yeah i've, I've yeah. got a lot of weird stuff obviously because I'm, I'm older than the, the average tiktoker and i've gone through a bunch of things so i um well i i i, I that was like high school period mm -hmm. i i knew ken nisley and uh i went on to go to college and uh decided i was going to be an engineering major uh, for the reason so many people do is because they're good at math and science and it seems like the right thing to do. And nobody yep. bothers to tell them that engineering is a very different thing. My first day of technical drawing class, the teacher said, draw a square two inches on a side. I did it. Everyone in the class did it. She went through. She went, good, 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 good. Got to mine. That 
angle is off by at least a 32nd of a degree. And that side is at least a 64th of an inch too long. And I was like, you can just see that. And then I started working. It took me the entire class to draw a square that she considered acceptable. And then I realized everyone else in the class just did it first try. And that's when I knew, no, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> so I switched to theater. Nice. Which that's a not natural progression. Yeah, of yeah, course. Taylor's all this yeah. time. All the engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hack so, um, well known. Well known. So then, um, after after doing um, becoming fairly successful in the theater department at, at Penn, a very fairly large theater department, um, and and getting you know roles much earlier than most people were, and being very well known, I realized I am just going to be a very successful actor and writer. And what do I need a college degree for? So I left college to become the famous, successful actor and writer that you see before. Yeah, no. absolutely. So I did that. And then yeah. I, 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 I worked for years um, trying to be successful at that. And I, I had a little bit of success as a writer. There is a movie called Chain of Command. There's actually three movies called Chain of Command. I only wrote one of them. But um, it's it's um, it's a movie with uh, Michael Dudikoff and Arlie Ermey. Arlie Ermey played the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, amazing! You've seen that. Um, and Michael Dudikoff was in some movies. Um, he was in like American Ninja One and um, American Ninja Two. What was the other movie? Oh, American Ninja Three. <laughs> and uh, what he was? It was American Ninja Four. Oh, right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was the star of the six American Ninja movies gotcha. and some other stuff too. He, he's got a lot of that kind of movie under his belt. Um, and uh, it's it's not a good movie. I don't recommend it. It was a good script, and they literally my our first note when they said they 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 bought it from us and they were going to make it. We were very excited, and they yeah. said, "Can you dumb it down a bit?" No. Uh. Yeah. We, our premise was a guy is, they said they wanted a script uh, that could be shot for $3 million in Tel Aviv. So we wrote the script and they yeah. said, you know, and then they, the idea was that a, an American oil company is trying to cause a coup in a, a Middle Eastern country so that they can install a puppet dictatorship to give them a vote on OPEC. Right. Peak fiction. Peak fiction. Never, never would never happen. Yeah. Right. Right. This yeah, is yeah. very, very, very 90s stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, then this guy is just caught in the middle. Like the idea was that there was supposed to be early on a wave. They were killing everyone at an oil refinery to sort of establish the story is going around. And um, he survives and he's not supposed to have survived. And so he knows information and then they're all hunting him. And he's just a normal guy who's caught in the middle. And we modeled it on a Robert Redford movie called Three Days of the Condor. Mm. Very good movie. And that's when they said, can you dumb it down a bit? Oh, and the main character, he's got to have a special combat ability. I'm like, what do you mean a special you, yeah. combat? It's just, but the whole point is he's, you bought the script. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. there. And then there's a note they gave us at one point. They're like, yeah, you have this scene that happens in an elevator, like they're in a hotel with an elevator. Um, this hotel we're using doesn't have an elevator. We're like, oh, that, that they, all right. Is there, does it have a stairwell? Yeah. Yes, it has a stairwell. So we're imagining a stairwell like, you know, like in, in a most tall build, like a hotel. It's like, you know, the stairs go down and then they do a, a, a 180 degree turn and then you go down another flight and then 180 degree turn. So we wrote a new scene and it was a really good scene where he's like jumping like 
imagine a person jumping over the rail to go faster and yeah. a fire extinguisher in the face because there's always fire extinguishers there and all this good stuff was going on. It was like, it was good action for the 90s. We see the movie. They didn't have a stairwell. It was a two-story hotel with a big set of carpeted stairs that went from the second floor to the first floor in the lobby. Oh, nice. So to solve the problem, they have him running down the same flight of no. stairs over and over again. And you can tell it's like he, he's just running down the same flight of stairs. That's a lobby at the bottom. It's not a landing. It's not like another hallway, which could have been the same. Yeah, oh, it, it, it's there. So that was like, oh my God, that's what they did with it. But meh, that's, I got paid. Hey, well, that's- I got paid. I actually have a good anecdote about getting paid on that too, because so they made the movie. Yeah. And this was Canon Pictures. Now, Canon really made cinema in the 90s would not have been the same without canon pictures i mean they made they made porkies they made the really bad superman movie they they made all they made hundreds of movies if you go on the wikipedia page you'll just go it's this huge list of movies and every one of them has a link to another thing on wikipedia and then you get to the very last movie and it's chain of command and it does not even have a link no. to another thing on Wikipedia oh. because they never paid Charles Bronson for the last Death Wish movie. And he sued them into, they were struggling financially. That's why they didn't pay him. And he sued them into bankruptcy because he didn't get paid. And that tipped them over the edge and they didn't release the movie. And it sat in bankruptcy court for years. But they also made Walker, Texas Ranger, the TV series with Chuck Norris. We had not been paid yet. But my friend, my writing partner, he had been talking with the secretary a lot because he knew that that was always, it's always good to know the secretary as well. And he calls her up and he's like, any sign that we're going to get paid? And she said, well, they just sold Walker, Texas Ranger to CBS for $15 million. But there's a a lawyer's office and she's like, I'm looking at it now. There is a stack of... uh, basically bills for everyone in Hollywood that have to get paid. And I don't think you guys are near the top. And then she goes, hold on. And she went away and then she came back and she goes, I just moved your bill basically from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile. And they just sent us a check. Like they sent us a check before Warner brothers, before Paramount, before, you know, before all the biggies of Hollywood, they sent us our check. Um, amazing right 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 that we were very glad for that so that so i always tell people like that's why you make sure you're nice to everybody because everybody is everybody serves a purpose everybody will will you know every person who likes you can be a, a useful element in your life and i got paid for that so i spent the next few years writing screenplays with my writing partner and we wrote we we got options uh, but nothing else got produced and you know it's a weird thing. I, I, I've, I've now twice in my life fallen into depression and not realized it. So those should know. And I am now, I am now medicated for depression. It was, I, my wife just basically went, why aren't you doing things anymore? And I said, I don't know. I just don't feel like it. she's like, you don't want to play a video game. Eh, it's too much effort. Mm, she's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's not, that's not good. So I've, I've been dealing with that, but that's the like, people see me and they're like, well, you seem very 
outgoing and very ebullient. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not, that's not what it's about. But I basically had gotten depressed over the years of just grinding away at screenplays without getting another success. You know, that, that really can do it. And I stopped writing and I just didn't write anything for, I, well, I also, I, 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 when I finally gave up on writing, I met my wife and, um, you know, I had gone through a period where I, when I was in the theater company, I had a very um, bad habits relationship wise. Mm. Um, And it was very easy to be that person when you're, when you're getting roles and such, you're, you're attention. Yeah. Ego's high, lots of confidence. Right. Right. And, and, and I, I, kind of recognized how I was being and didn't like that. So I, I sort of went on a, a very long hiatus from any relationships or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And when I met my wife, I really, I, we met, we, we were both waiting tables um, in the same restaurant and I met her and she played D and D and that at the time, not many women played D and D and so and stuff. Um, I know now I'm so jealous. Everybody plays D and D. You have no idea it was, what it was it, like. It's <laughs> exactly exactly it's it's a, such a uh, i mean it's on the one hand i'm like yay but on the other hand i'm like if you only knew the struggles yeah. um so we um we became a couple and um went on and i uh, i i realized well i i I, lo- I love her and i want to marry her and i we need so, so i started working for the irs i gave up on writing from the irs i went on to working in payroll from payroll, I, I went to work for another company. I work for a, a Fortune 500 company now, and I'm uh, I do travel expense stuff. Mm-hmm. Very much uh, a lot of stuff with spreadsheets, predicting things. I'm actually very very good at it. I'm sure you are. Um, but I uh, I don't particularly enjoy it. And then the pandemic came, and I found myself with more time on my hands. And I my kid went TikTok, and I went all right, yeah, I'll make okay. little videos and here we are we're caught up here we yeah. are amazing wow i mean there's so many elements I, uh oh god i have so many questions to throw in there i suppose one thing uh which we haven't uh, perhaps in common is that um uh yeah so i did physics also was good at maths and that sort of thing didn't, didn't necessarily think much about it um uh, uh also really to theater uh did a lot of improv comedy um which i suppose you, you might consider the lowest form of theater and you'd be right because i can't act for shit <laughs> Um, but at least with improv, I can be like, yeah, I wanted them to laugh. That was the intent, guys. That was the plan. Yeah. Well, hey, comedy. Look at every, every, uh, the MCU is filled with comedians. That's true. That is true. Yeah. You know, um, because they realized that's, that's who can act. It's a, uh, uh, anyway, there's a certain melody to it, I guess, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, but well, yeah, I mean, I, there, yeah. there's, I mean, I just, I, a comedian one time who, who had, I forget even who it was. It was a stand-up comedian who, and not, certainly not all stand-up comedians can act, but if you can do comic acting, I, 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 I've, I've, and I don't mean like some, some, some comic actors are not acting. Mm. They're just being funny. They're just funny and they're just being themselves. right 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 and that works well and 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 but like honestly i don't think jack black is a very good actor i think he's very funny yeah and i really enjoy jack black yeah but i i don't 
I have never seen him do something where I think that's not Jack he Black has, right now. He has shown, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, he's always just Jack Black. Yeah, same maybe he Hart. can do it. Like I'm just like Kevin Hart, incredibly funny. Yeah. But like every movie, I'm like, you're playing Kevin Hart. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now maybe maybe we just haven't seen it. You know, yeah. to be fair, 100. But that's that's what it was. Yeah. But every comedic actor who can do act actually is always a better actor to me like if you can't do comedy then you're not gonna do next i I don't i don't i don't have any confidence in any actor who can't do a comedy fascinating yeah yeah well in which case we'll see which way which uh, side of the spectrum i ever emerge out on if i get the opportunity yeah Um, yeah but uh, yeah, and I was just going to say, also work work sort of job with you know sort of spreadsheets and stuff. I did cybersecurity and ended up making TikToks because of the pandemic. So similar similar notes. Hey, that. so we got all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know also went through a depression beforehand. <laughs> so, you know, hey, hey. <laughs> um, one thing I was going to say on your D and D thing, um, and this is a, a, a thing that sort of uh, it's one of my regrets in life, um, which is I um, a lot of my improv pals uh, were really into D and D. Uh, which sort of makes sense because you know it's a there's there's elements oh, yeah. overlap yeah you know uh, as you would know um, but I didn't fully appreciate how hard it is to be uh, a game master um, so you know the first couple of games I was there I was just having a laugh I was just doing dumb things and like you know treating it like a fun game um, but one of my friends and this is his actual name Joel Joel if you're listening to this I'm sorry um, he invited us over to a game like full afternoon game we brought our characters in advance he was meticulous in his organization uh, and you know I was playing some sort of paladin and um, you know we were about the first hour in and our, our, our party was heading to this town and we came across a cliff uh, and Joel said you know you come across a cliff there's there's a path uh, <laughs> there's a path down the side of the cliff that sort of safely takes you down Although, you know, there's, it's a bit, it's at night, it's dark, you might encounter something there. Um, or you can wait out here t- till like daytime or whatever. Um, but I was playing a quite an arrogant character. <laughs> I said, no, nah, my character isn't afraid of heights. He just keeps on walking. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was, you know, my character, you know, fell halfway down the cliff, injured himself. And what resulted was essentially two hours of dice rolls to people to come and like rescue my character <laughs> getting injured. And clearly this was meant to be like a tiny beat in between the main events of the story. And it ended up taking yep. most of the afternoon. And I could just see Joel's level of humor progressively decreasing. <laughs> <laughs> as and by the time it was all finished, like half the characters were essentially dead and uh, I wasn't invited back. But um, I know. <laughs> I've I've been on both sides yeah. of that <laughs> as that. a both as a DM and as a player where I've uh, I've I've gone off the wrong end. Yeah. And I mean the, the interesting thing is though if you look I I I, I um like if you, all the podcasts that are out now hmm. there's a very strong element of humor hmm. involved that that you know and so when people play now I think everybody expects you know, there to be that, you know, you, you know, like when I was a kid, you made a character and the whole point was how good is your character at killing monsters? Yeah. Min-maxing, right. You were just like going for the yep. stats. Yeah. And um, so the group I play with now, we're, we've, we've had a philosophy all along, which is um, we love to role play, mm-hmm. but um, if you don't, if you don't optimize your character for combat, then you can role play being the dead character. That we have to go find somebody to raise. <laughs> we'll, just, um, we'll just carry your corpse. Yeah, I mean, you can be. Yeah, that. yeah. Which, which, which led to 
Um, so there's a role-playing game called GURPS. I don't know if you know that. this. Uh, the generic universal role-playing system is what it's called. It's made by Steve Jackson Games. And it's 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 a pretty good system. I, I think the combat system is too weak. That's why it never caught on. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I've, I've met Steve Jackson a few times, and he's kind of stubborn about changing things that he thinks works. So that's why it's never been updated. But it's got a lot of good stuff, and it's meant to be played in any setting. Like it's and their books. You can buy a book for superhero GURPS. You can buy a book for Rome GURPS, Greece GURPS, whatever. Literally, there's there's hundreds, if not thousands, of GURPS books that you could get. But you can play any kind of character. So we're playing a game, and it's a superhero game. And this guy, two guys who go, we don't really like GURPS. So they came in with the characters Dead Boy and Shit Boy. (laughs) Dead Boy, he made the entire character up but he took the disadvantage that he's dead. <laughs> he's, he, and, 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 and he said, well, as we go through the game, I will earn experience, which I will apply to pay off the disadvantage of being dead. And, and he and it was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, look, it's a really good character. It's just I have a disadvantage that makes it hard to be useful. Happens to be but dead. Once I, yeah. And then we go to the next guy, and he has put, taken the disadvantage that he is literally a pile of shit. Oh my god! Which, which is the epitome of what you're saying, where it's like you have derailed this game. We can't play because you guys are dead boy and shit boy. So that's that's I, that's been always my um, my thing, where it's like that's very very funny, but there is a point where the joke has to give way yeah to play so that the, the game. game can progress because <laughs> we're here to play yeah there was a show i've seen at the edinburgh fringe a few times you, do you know the edinburgh fringe festival in the uk do you know that or i i we have a fringe festival here in philadelphia i assume it's a very similar thing probably very similar so yeah for the entire month of august every year obviously pandemic notwithstanding um pretty much uh the, the the city of edinburgh sort of quadruples in population it's kind of like this local mecca for comedy and wow. theater. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Yours sounds a lot bigger than ours. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's generally, I think, it calls itself one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world, um, uh, and I, I can believe that. I mean, there's genuinely uh, at any given moment of time, there are free venues, uh, paid venues. Um, you know, we're talking about like a thousand shows going on per day, and you've got like if there's a corner of a pub uh that's taken over and there's a show going on in it like you know every nook and cranny of the city it's amazing it's it's and it doesn't feel like a wow. music festival sort of thing where everyone's partying it's like got a very sort of family vibe and just a bunch of creative people wanting to do stuff um uh and i've, I've taken improv shows there but i remember a few years we went there was this guy who um was running essentially a sort of D show but what he was the way it worked was he would host it he would be the the game master and he would invite three people from the audience to make a a character and he would sort of like walk them through a very light version and he would have one giant D20, which he would roll down the center of the audience because the audience was sort of in two um, sections in this hallway yeah. uh, and to make the big decisions. Um, and naturally sort of being improvisers, we went and, you know, he's asking for volunteers and, you know, we, all of us were like, we'll do it, we'll do it 100%. Um, <laughs> uh, and he was like, you know, one of you will be a tank, uh, a, a rogue uh, and, a, and a mage or whatever. Um, or a tank being a warrior rather um, and uh, my friend went up and uh, he was like alright so um, you know, uh, are you an elf, are you a human are you a gnome, my friend said I'm a piece of wheat <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's still like 
had this like level look and the audience laughed and he was like well i, I have to go with it now because the audience is bought into the yeah that's the whole point with an improv thing <laughs> yes and yeah so, uh, it was a good time it's good time anyway i feel like we can talk about dd at great like um uh another thing i want to ask you ai and future is smooth transition ai <laughs> futures yeah. yeah and all that sort of stuff you've done a lot of videos on that um so this is obviously just like a, a thing you think about is did lots of the things you write about have to do with sort of like sci-fi stories naturally i mean it's just, just like a yeah i um i i've i've well my writing is really all over the place although i'm i'm uh a third of the way through a novel amazing that is uh set in um you know well after the singularity a utopian singularity happens Interesting. Um, yeah. mo most of humanity has chosen to live a virtual existence they don't even have bodies anymore although the technology exists for them to have print a body to be created for them and their consciousness can be put right back into that body should they choose to exist in the world but nobody does mm -hmm. they live there and then there's a handful of people who live the, the population of earth is around 30,000 people mm. um, or around 30 trillion people, depending on what you consider yeah. a human to be. And it, it hinges around a character, father Jacob, um, who um, he is, uh, he was one of the creators of the, the entire computer system that that exists that that houses pretty much all of humanity and he had a daughter who said no i'm i'm not going in there and led a movement of people wow. and she went on to found a village that exists that he is considered to be like they know that he was he 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 helped build the village i mean they there's stuff i talk about in there like their their irrigation system he talked he one time is talking about how it's like you know they they they, they refuse some technology but not others because that irrigation system i helped build it my daughter wouldn't allow me to use not even a microchip in it but you know the moon will wear away before this irrigation system fails uh, like that was the level of which where he built things and and um you know they have all this they have this technology they live like amish they appear amish but they have this incredibly advanced technology in weird places like tables and chairs when they decide to have a big meeting he looks and he's like i built these tables and chairs these tables and chairs are built at a molecular level they will never break and and so sort of that kind of stuff is there um and then there's a mystery a murder mystery mm. that is happening that they, they they refer to them as demons that have come through the gate the, the name of the book is the gate the gate is the way one goes between the physical virtual world that they exist yeah. in and the virtual world and they call people who come back and forth demons and a pretty horrific way that a child was murdered um and the village is like so they come to father jacob to ask for help because he knows the demons and he he is of those people even though he's not quite of them and uh that's the the, the premise that's the hook. and it wicked yeah so like i said i'm a third of the way through it but i've been a third of the way through it for a long time which is part of what my wife said yeah i think it's so hopefully the depression 
addressing the depression will get me back to writing hmm. again. Um, also, TikTok has has slowed my writing down because you know I got I got a I got a way to vent my creativity now. Well, yeah, but yeah. that must be wonderful, right? I mean, now like having an audience of millions, um, especially as oh, you yeah, grew yeah. from you know obviously being at sub a thousand for so long. I mean, um, just the validation of like. Uh, I imagine the comments, I mean, I, I see some of the comments, but obviously you'll see far more of your comments than I do, um, that, you know, people are just fascinated to see how your mind works and, and what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. Although my my latest uh, trend, I don't know what to call it, trend doesn't seem like the right word because trend has a specific meaning in TikTok. But your the, series, your theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on what to do in an embarrassing or dangerous situation. Mm. I, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm hoping people get that the, the point is not that I'm necessarily giving you the it's a minute long video. Like yeah. I found that three minute videos just don't do very well. So I thought eh, I'd rather, so I do a one minute video on like what to do if you're choking when you're alone. Mm. And the idea is not, this is the ultimate solution. The idea is think about this, build the neurons to help you solve the problem. What do you do in a bear situation? I do this. Literally, this is how I live my life. I walk, I have a roughly one mile walk to and from work every, not lately, but mm -hmm. when I'm sitting there, I think, what if Yeah, I'm constantly going through, what would I do if this happened? What would I do if that happened? What would I do if that happened? And I think that has allowed me to be prepared for things in situations that when they have come up, you know, I, I, cause you build the neurons. Yeah. 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 You got a plan. You're not shocked. You, you got a plan. Right. So that's, well, there there's two elements, I guess I say. One is come up with a plan now. You know, come up with a plan. These are all things that could all right, the bear attack one might not happen. I mean, you you've got to be somewhere where there's a bear. Yeah, yeah. In order to, but I really liked that the advice from the National Forest Service was to walk sideways away from the bear. Is that what they say? I wouldn't I've never yes, you know, yes. Never been uh, because because they say if you if you if you face the bear, if you turn your back on the bear then the bear will, you will trigger the bear. It will think of you as prey. Yeah, it's going to get you. Yeah, so yeah. as soon as you turn your back on the bear, you're much more likely to be attacked by the bear. If you walk backwards away from the bear, then you might trip. And if you trip and fall down, as soon as you're down, the bear will think of you as prey. So they say, turn and walk sideways away so that you can do that and see your path and not be likely to trip. Yeah. But at the same time, you're not turning your back to the bear. That's got and, no idea. Um, I've never encountered a crab before. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what I said. I said, walk like Zoidberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, do a Zoidberg out yeah, of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, I did another one of what to do if you're in a horror movie. That was a joke one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I said to walk that way because that's what I've been saying for years. It's like, because in a horror movie, you know, like Jason is chasing you, like in Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. he's always right behind you, right behind, right behind you. And then he's suddenly in front of you. Yeah. So I said, yeah. So if you go sideways, he's like, he, he can't, he can't vector on you, you know? What's he going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I would say walk sideways if you're being chased by that. Yeah. I think it's also good because, um, uh, and this is something that uh, I've been thinking about again recently, um, which is that there's, I feel like a, certainly given that, like, you know, obviously for about two years, I mean, it varies for students, but, you know, a lot, a lot of people have been like, you know, working from home for so much, going to school essentially from home, whatever that means. And you miss out on a huge amount of like, you know, social interaction and just the, 
any interaction now that happens through a mobile phone used to have to be done in person in like an environment where you could probably met other people. And so I do feel like there's just like a huge lack of context and just situations that people are exposed to now that um, they are just like generally unprepared for, which would, you know, probably be one reason why I feel like people instinctively, you know, watch your videos that you're making right now on that theme uh, and think, yeah, I probably need to know this because you just get exposed to less because you just go out less. Um, or if you go out, yeah. it's it, if you go out, there's a certainty of what you're going to do. There's this randomness of who you're going to meet and so on. So, no, it's true. I, 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 I get so many questions from, well, I see them as young people. Yeah. Um, and uh, about how to, how to, how to interact in relationships, how to deal with that sort of thing. And I, I realize that, you know, I, I mean, when I think back, on my youth <laughs> and I, I think of how many situations where it was like, yeah, that's what was going on. Mm. You know, I mean, literally to the extent of like, Oh, that woman was interested in me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I literally had this. The other I <laughs> didn't know that, but now I do. Now I think on that and I, you know, and, and like, I don't, I think that's such a common thing is the people when they're young, uh, honestly, I think the biggest mistake young people make in terms of being finding a romantic partner mm. is that they think that is lack of confidence, that they assume that nobody is interested in them. Like, no, like, you know, there's the Groucho Marx line. I would never join a club that would yeah, have me as a member. member. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were yeah. about to say, I'd never forget a face, but in your case, I'll make it accept. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I think I think people like they assume that a romantic partner that would have them must be broken. It, yeah, must be broken. Yeah, yeah. Or if them? they're interested in them, that by default makes them too good for them. Mm. You know, so I guess I guess I'm really talking about the opposite of that. It's sort yeah, of an yeah. inverse on that. Is yeah, yeah. They, they they they're not good enough. Nobody nobody would have me if i am if they are good enough for me mm, yeah, yeah and and that's 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 just a lack of confidence it's like no honestly like literally everybody out there not everybody but pretty much everybody out there wants to have a connection mm. and if you instead operate on the principle and you know don't just assume they they might not want a romantic connection but they want a connection you no know, you probably don't want a romantic connection you know, with every you know, you, know, you, know, you want yeah, somebody. Be maddening. Yeah, yeah, be exhausting. This is the thing. Right, like, right. You connected so deeply right. with everybody, you couldn't leave the house. Just you'd be so tired. Right. So, so if you just work under the assumption that everybody wants a connection, that everybody will, you know, you know, you'll once you meet them and talk to them, you'll figure out, hey, what level should our relationship be? And if you're just forthright with people, you know, just in the beginning, just when you meet somebody, you just let them know. It's like, hey. You know, and that's why I've even made a video on it. You just say, hey, your eyes look really great with that shirt. You know, that's that's a line a woman said to me once. Mm-hmm. We didn't work out, yeah. but it told me immediately. Um, uh, that was her saying, hey, I, I'm I'm interested in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was able to. OK, OK, that you've 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 thrown the first pitch and now we can we can play this game. Yeah, yeah. And see where it goes. And it didn't go anywhere, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But that that's what 
that's the thing is just just be forthright just make the assumption if you meet somebody and you think they're attractive give them a compliment on their looks don't be creepy about it just say it and then see where it goes yeah and you know and and i i try to convey that in 60 second increments yeah yeah it's 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 so hard isn't it tiktok i just yeah um but i i part of me enjoys the challenge certainly when talking about science or philosophy because you do have to just every word has to matter i do think it as someone who hasn't who again loves writing it's trying to do lots of writing myself yeah do you think it improves my writing to a certain extent because it forces me not to to cut crap basically cut cut any um unnecessary words um yeah on on that i do think uh a lot of it is just coming with the right vibe and being open to something. One thing that Alliance really stuck with me. Um, do you know Esther Perel? She's done like a few different books on relationships and TED talks. Um, I don't. She's amazing. Amazing. She's done a, a, a book, which is really famous called the state of affairs, which is about why people cheat. Well, I, um, I want to write that down. Hold on. Esther Perel. E S T H E R. Uh, and then P E R E L Esther Perel. Um, okay. I will uh, check her out. Yeah, so she's got got some TED talks, got a podcast. Um, yeah, one of her books, State of Affairs. Another one of her books is about um, the seeing paradox. It's about um, basically sexual intimacy and long term monogamous relationships. And she talks about the paradox of uh, you know a lot of what people find sexually interesting is this uh, you know the unknown, novelty, uh, excitement, uh, unpredictability. Whereas you know generally what people want in a stable emotional relationship is. Uh, you know, predictability, comfort, familiarity. And, uh, you know, obviously it seems like, oh, there's something to be reconciled there. So brilliant. But w- w- all this to say, one of the things that's, uh, one of the lines that's always stuck with me is that she says that, you know, any relationship, uh, you know, romantic or otherwise, is an act of creativity between two people. And um, so, uh, you know, w- w- and, and that stuck with me even with friendships, which is that, you know, if, if you meet someone new, as you say, you know, you don't necessarily have to be best friends. You're not necessarily trying to get something romantic out of it. It's like, hey, what we, to, to, together, we're going to build something um and you know whatever that's going to be that's going to be but like you know i'm here for it uh and i think that's just like a really nice open way to approach life with no expectations uh and um i mean you can still miss signals obviously because you'd be like oh we're building a friendship and then you know years later you go oh you, you were tr- you were trying to build a relation oh oh no no i know <laughs> but it's not foolproof but right um, right it's a, it's a good it's a good no thing. no it's true yeah we're 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 well we're pretty flawed uh by our own thing but hey you know what is it uh terry pratchett has the best line about humans we are humans are where the rising ape meets the falling angel mm. yeah yeah uh, um i really like him he has a there's an excerpt i think death talks about which is um i can't remember which character he's speaking to but death sort of talks about um believing the little lies uh, so you can believe the, the large that's, ones. Yeah. In, in Hogfather, Death is talking to his granddaughter. That's it. Susan Death. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. for those of you who've never read Terry Pratchett, well, I always say there's two kinds of people. People who love Terry Pratchett and people who need to get off their butt and go read Terry Pratchett. Because <laughs> I've never met a person that reads it that doesn't love it. Bureaucrats, Morty. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, rinse Wind and all that. Um, good times. Mm-hmm. Good times. Uh, First book I read uh, was Sorcery. Have you? Did you go through them linearly, or uh, no? No, I, I went through them as I found them. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. Sorcery was a few books in, yeah, from, I think, um, yeah. and then I I just kind of they were you know we didn't have online books when I started reading Terry Pratchett, so it was I would go to the bookstore and whatever that they had there by Terry oh, Pratchett that I hadn't read, I would buy until I had read. Uh, now now I've read all but one, and I'm saving that. Yeah, understandably, understandably. 
the uh, the main book I'm I'm waiting on is uh, Doors of Stone from Patrick Rothfuss. Not sure if you read the King Killer Chronicles. No, I don't. Yeah. Know, I, I, no, I don't know those. Oh, um, ah, uh, his the first book in the so it's a three it's a trilogy. Two books are out. Waiting on the third. Um, the first one's called Name of the Wind, and it's by far and away my favorite fantasy novel. Probably one of my yeah. favorite books ever. Um, the writing is just beautiful to the point where it's just yeah the name of the wind the name of the wind um it's uh i'll, I'll hit you the premise because i like this book so much and i'll, I'll take any opportunity to speak okay. about it. um which is just uh so it's a, it's a fancy book and the, the book starts um and you're in this uh inn called the waystone and there are a bunch of characters talking about sort of like stories uh of this sort of like legendary figure, this legendary sort of like wizard um uh tabal and the great and uh between and they're sort of like you're somewhere out in the country don't really know what's going on um and uh they're also and you get the sense that like something's going wrong with the country but you don't quite know what's going what, what it is like you know the roads are falling apart infrastructure's falling apart times are hard um and there's uh, an innkeeper there who's sort of new to the town he's just sort of listening in and all that uh and they're telling these stories about you know a couple of different people but this, this particular great magician called quoth uh and uh you know not spoiling much of the book but at the beginning of the book um uh Eventually, this historian, which is essentially a journalist, but historian, um, comes to the town. He comes up to the innkeeper and he says, "I think you're this great person they're talking about in these stories." And the innkeeper's like, "No, no, no, that's that's not me, but it is." Um, and, and you know, he quickly turns around and says, "Okay, yeah, you got me." Uh, and he says, "All right, I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you what's going on because there's lots of like rumors going around." And so the novel basically uh, is this person telling the story of how uh, you know, of their childhood of, of you know, going into adulthood and becoming this great wizard. And it oscillates between them telling the story and the present day where things are falling apart. And so you're able to sort of put together pieces the more you know. And so once you finish the first the two books that exist, you can go out to the first one, you go, oh my God, I now understand so much more of what's going on in that present day scene. And it's just written in such a poetic, I feel like that word's overused, but it's truly poetry, uh, the prose that's on this book. And I, I like it because I can say to people, read the first page, read the prologue. Because if you don't like the prologue and it's a single page, if you don't like it, this book is not for you. But if you like the prologue, read the rest of it. You'll love it. Um, so that's, that's oh, okay. it. It's, it's oh, I'll check book. it out, definitely. It's, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So easy to get books now. So. <laughs> oh, that's that's definitely a, a plus side. Plus side. Um, yeah. So do you think the singularity will happen? The yeah, singularity then? Do you, are you, uh... Uh, yes. I think Kurzweil. Do you know Kurzweil? I don't know. Kurzweil. No. He's, oh, Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil is a futurist. He wrote a book called The Singularity is Coming, I think is what he called it. Um, and he uh, lays out, uh, he, he, first of all, as a futurist, has made some numerous very accurate predictions right. um, based on uh, humans' technology advancing on an exponential basis. Mm. And his uh, point is that we, our brains are not designed, you know, rabbits don't accelerate on an exponential basis. Yeah. Um, Punches aren't thrown on an exponential basis. Neither a predator nor prey works on an exponential basis. Our brains do not work. We are not good at calculating that. Mm. But on paper, he shows. It's like, well, look, here's... And he goes back. I mean, he goes back as far as he can in the history of stuff. He, he goes to um, evident, archaeological evidence of the number of victims in a battle and goes here's uh showing how military technology has an exponential basis how medical technology exponential basis uh, uh, textiles exponential basis computers you know moore's law 
um you know everything yeah. he's going on the honor and he's like and every time we say well it's got to stop at some point something new picks it up and he's like you can go back a thousand years and you can see that this this curve has been going on and so based on that he says 2045 2045 cracky 2045 which is only 23 years away now here's the thing that's interesting Okay, so I think it's going to happen. I don't know that 2045 is the year. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, look, even if it's in a couple of years, that's like fair, fair play, you know. So, forward. right. Yeah. So, so let's go to Moore's law. Yeah. Microchips, the number of transistors that can fit on a microchip is doubling every year and a half. And this is held true. And we're going to get to a point where the microchips are going to be one molecule thick and the transistors are one atom in size and how could we get any smaller well but the is, is a concept of once we move past transistors when we get into maybe quantum computers yeah. maybe some other technology but that's ray kurzweil says something else will pick up the slack find a way and and we'll do that so let's say that keeps going what's it what does it look like okay now so to, to, to solve this i read a thing i'm oh they're great so imagine a lake okay mm -hmm. Yeah. Matt, you just you can picture the lake, any size lake you want. Gotcha. And then we get rid of the lake. We leave the lake bed, but it's empty now. And we're going to put in a drop of water. Mm. And then a year and a half later, we're going to put in two drops of water. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, we're going to put in four. And we're going to, that's how we're going to progress with this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bef a year and a half before that lake before we're able to add enough water to fill that lake, it's halfway empty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you know, and, 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 and 15, we're, we're now 30 years away. Yeah. There's barely any water in that lake. Yeah. Like we're going to be adding, it, like it's, it's, drops. The, it's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Something. Right. Right. So we're, 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 I know I'm saying we're, 30 years oh, sorry. Yeah. away from yeah. his predicted singularity. Yeah. So I'm saying, I don't know if 2045 is the year, but the point is that in, in just 10 years, we're going to be a thousand times more in 20 years. We're going to be a million times more. Are we 1 millionth of the way to having artificial intelligence? I mean, we've got some pretty amazing stuff. If we had a million times more powerful of a computer, because we will in 20 years at the rate we're going, that That's our computers will be a million times more powerful. That's really compelling. Yeah. This is a million times more powerful than the most powerful that computer that existed when I was born. This is a, a million times smaller and a million times more powerful and cost one million times less. It's definitely a miracle. Um, terrifying machine. I mean, <sighs> Yeah, when when you put it like that, do you? Uh, I said, yeah. My, my I guess when I when I start thinking about this, and you know, I even think about this like with smartphones, which is that, um, uh, although normally it's in the context of nuclear weapons and stuff, which is like you know, ultimately we're children starting to play around with, we're building tools which are, as you say, like more powerful than you know our ancestors could like have ever really conceived of. Yeah. Um, but everyone starts afresh. Every newborn ain't got the wisdom from the previous generations as much as we may try and convey that through art or literature or education. Um, you know, I, I sometimes <laughs> question whether I'm mature enough to have a smartphone, not that I'm putting, you know, weird stuff out on social media, but just, you know, the, 
uh, the idea of trying to resist apps and stuff like that. And as you say, like this is early days still. TikTok is, you know, it seems like the sort of next thing, but what's there going to be in 10 years and stuff? It's yeah, frightening and exciting, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and, um, I, I think we're going to go, well, Star Trek is, is a pretty good, um, you know, Gene Roddenberry, if you, if you, if you just take what Gene Roddenberry created mm-hmm. and you take the lore of Star Trek, it's a pretty good idea of it that they, 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 they went through a pretty horrible period. Humanity did. And then, they kind of went, you know, we think, and I think we're going through that horrible period right now. Yeah. I, I think, I think this is the birthing pain for a next thing mm. that um, essentially what we're dealing with is through, throughout. All right. So, so not throughout human history, but throughout civilization, the first step of civilization was this guy gets to have more than you. Mm. We got to have the billionaire class. Yeah, yeah. The, the, what 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 we call the billionaire class now? That's civilization. You know, you go to ancient Athens. Okay, this is a city of about what one hundred and fifty thousand people. One hundred and fifty thousand people. Okay, this this is like uh, like a, a, a smallish city. Hmm. You know, really not, not 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 a lot of people. At the same time, living in that city. Living all at the same time, you've got Socrates, you've got Plato, student of Socrates, you've got Diogenes, who's not so well known. Um, then uh, Plato taught Aristotle. Am I right on that? I think I'm right on. Yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But my Socrates point is that in, in a in a yeah. very very small window of time in this city, we've got people who today, thousands of years later, we are still reading their 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 teachings Hmm. and there's not a lot not a lot of people to draw from there are universities that have a larger student population i mean like the big universities that have connected campuses like penn state has like dozens of campuses you know they have more of a student population than athens had so how did this happen well this happened because of the billionaire class all these people we know were among for that time the billionaire class they were people who didn't have to spend their entire lives creating for others mm. because you can't have that. You've got to have people with enough spare time to think of stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to carve out. That's what we're trying to carve yeah, out. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's the whole thing. And then we're eventually going to reach a point where and we've had more and more people who can fit that niche mm. and the billionaire class has been fighting harder and harder to keep being the elite but they're becoming we're our our, our jealousy of you know these are new thoughts for me so i yeah, stumble shoot, shoot, a lot shoot, you know? but the jealousy of we feel towards Elon Musk and people like that Mm. because they are essentially, they are very, we recognize them as very damaging to the society. And the reason is because we don't need them anymore. Mm. So we, we, most of us have enough free time to do the work that's needed and we need to take those resources and we need to distribute them better. Mm. And, and the thing is though, their resources are not, they're growing fast, but they're not growing as fast as the total resources. They are becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of the net resources that exist. 
and eventually we should see something assuming that we can break the mold i mean we've part of the problem is of course they can just pay congress people to i was going to say the politics the and the money want. in uh, the u.s is, right uh, right yeah, so yeah. There, there, there's 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 some obstacles <laughs> right there are there are and i i think it's going to be a dam that breaks and that's going to result in some really bad stuff i, yeah. I think when the dam breaks we're going to have such an upheaval and our society is going to get really mixed up mm. but i still think that the technology will ultimately it will settle I don't think it's going to be as, as I don't think it's going to be like, you don't need to be a, a, a prepper, you know, you don't need to, you don't need a bunker to survive it. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's going to be a period where um, well, you're probably better off living in the United States or in England or one of the more advanced countries than living in one of the less advanced countries for that period of upheaval, because historically the lower your technology level, the less, less protected you are you have, yeah as well yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you know and so i'm not saying it's better or anything i'm just saying that's just how it is yeah. um uh but you know I, I think it'll pass through and i think we will get to a point and i think we'll quickly reach a point if you watch the movie her i you know haven't i need to about? i need to uh, but uh, it seems okay. brilliant yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not going to do a spoiler on the movie okay but i'm going to say one thing that nobody I've, I've never encountered anyone who notices just pay attention to what jobs people have in the movie her okay and the main character i'll tell you this isn't a plot point or anything yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a thing that comes up but this is if you pay attention to the jobs literally every person you meet has a dream job and mm. i think i and what they don't say but i think every person there is has the job that they want the job that you would wake up every day going i am glad to be doing this what he does for a living is he writes letters for people people Oof. ask him to write a letter to their wife and he has a history with couples mm. like he literally he is the go-between like the, the the husband will say please write a letter to my wife for her birthday mm -hmm. and he will write this beautiful letter for her and you know asking questions and that is what he loves to do he is so good at it because he and he loves to do it it's not even a job that could exist today we mm. think it's a weird job it'd be like what do you mean you write letters for other people? Wait, yeah. They know, like the wife gets a letter and she knows you wrote that letter, yeah. but they accept it. Hmm. And that's the future that I think we will get to is essentially we're going to have jobs, but the job's just going to be, the, you got to do something to get through that. Yeah, you've yeah, got to yeah, provide, yeah. you've got to provide some kind of value. You've got to believe that you provide some kind of value to the universe and that is what our future will be, is everybody having to find their own way to feel that they are adding value to the universe. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. But as you say, it's the, it's the in-between part, which I guess you know, we might get to witness. I certainly, um, I, I feel like politically, we're certainly on the same side of the spectrum. Um, I've been paying, a, a, I've been sort of, every day I sort of take a look at the, do you know the anti-work subreddit? Does that... Uh, have you uh no no I, I don't do a lot of reddit stuff i i i like reddit but i i don't dive into it it's probably wise anti-work subreddit uh so it's a subreddit that's been it's been growing um uh it's it's i think faster than wall street bets did which is why it's, it's had some news reports on it recently and um the, but the engagement's much higher and essentially it seems to be it started out as a subreddit 
as I understand it, dedicated to people essentially, mostly in the US, putting sort of screenshots or um, of messages they've re- received from their employers of them essentially quitting, of re- resigning and just, you know, giving up uh, working a job with horrible, horrible conditions. Um, and uh, that's how it sort of started out. But it's sort of, it's emerged into this weird, not this weird, but um, sort of left-wing bubble where people are discussing ideas around saying, well, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that we're spending all this time and that we've got no power. And people have been pointing out that, well, hey, what if we did you know, a countrywide strike for 10 days? Because, you know, this economist predicted that if that happened, the US economy would, you know, go to its knees. So all we'd have to do is get to day nine and then we'd have all the negotiating power. Um, and so I think it's, it sounds like it was born out of the sort of the pandemic of people, you know, being called essential workers and all of that. And then sort of recognizing that there was a disparity, um, having the time to recognize there was a disparity between the services they were providing, the risks they were undertaking, and uh, their compensation and their sort of place within the economy. Yeah. So, um, so. No, that's 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 pretty cool. Um, I uh, I'm not sure. I I think it, the reason I would predict I got a hair. I can see it. It's like a stray hair there. Um, the reason I would predict it would fail. Is for the same reason that the um, what was that movement called? The big movement that where they they occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street, yeah, yeah. Occupy Wall Street is because um, they they probably have not defined what victory would look like. Oh yeah, they. This is the early stages. This is proto. They're, yeah. they're nowhere near. I don't think actually doing. But there's whispers of that. Basically, I'm saying I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if in a year or two. They did try something, and again, I, I think the same way that the, you, the struggle that you have with these communities is the, there's no homogeneity. Um, homogeneity, yeah, yeah, um, and there's no Homogen- homo- homogeneity. Homogeneity. Thank you. <laughs> and there's no particular leader to say, "All right, this is what desire demands. This is victory." I think, yeah, you're completely yeah. right on that. Um, so. Yeah, that was um, Bernie Sanders. That was the the problem. There is, you know, Bernie Sanders um, was totally victorious. I mean, he came in. He, he, he really had no real shot at winning the Democratic mm-hmm. primary. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, they cheated and stuff. I'm like, it's their club. Yeah. I mean, he literally came in going, yeah, I'm not a member of your club, but I want to be in charge of your club. Yeah. And then people are like, why would they try to stop him? It's like, well, it's their club. I mean, yeah. that's just how this works. It's, it's like you got to get what the Democratic Party is. It's a, it's a club. It's really just a club. It's, it's not. What you th- I mean, it, it has way too much power. They're, both of them have way too much power for being just a club, but they are just clubs. Mm-hmm. But then he came in and he's like, well, we're going to do minimum wage for $15 an hour. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. And then Hillary Clinton stepped up and she said, yeah, okay, I'll do all that. I'll do all that. Everything there, I'm going to do all that. And so she said she was going to do everything Bernie Sanders did. And people were like, we hate Hillary Clinton. It's like, why, why do you hate her? Because because she's not doing fifteen dollar minimum wage. No, she's doing twelve dollar an hour minimum wage. She said twelve at the time when it was. It's still seven. Yeah. She was going to raise it to twelve. Hmm. Uh, what's what's what do you, what do you, what do you think? So over that three dollars, you think that's the problem? I mean, you know, get, you know, and that was the thing. And Bernie Sanders said, "No, no, we're, let's support Hillary Clinton." And they'll because why? And that's the thing. Nobody explained to them. No victory does not look like a Bernie Sanders presidency. Victory looks like Bernie Sanders getting the Democratic Party to get behind all of these policies. Mm. And if that had been understood, then I think we would not have had a Trump presidency. 
because if you run the numbers and see where they in certain states that Trump won in that year, whew, that was that was that was a gut punch. But um, it really there were just there was clearly there was just a lack of um, involvement by a lot of people who should have voted for Hillary Clinton, but instead chose not to vote or voted for a third party. And that's what I think it was. That's what that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean U.S. politics. I got to say that the the Bernie Sanders certainly seems like a person who genuinely cares, which is, uh, yeah, you know, to someone in the UK, we're st- starved of politicians uh, like that. We had our sort of our, I suppose our vague equivalent, Jeremy Corbyn, who just got dragged through the mud uh, by the press repeatedly. I mean, th- there were some issues uh, within the Labour Party at the time, but. Um, uh, and I'm not saying that I was a huge fan of his, but yeah, it was just, it was astonishing to see all the papers go after him and he just had no shot from the outset. Um, but he, he was the head yeah. of the Labour Party. And so, and now, you know, I mean, throughout this entire pandemic, because uh, the Boris Johnson and the Conservatives, despite consist all the scandals, them having parties during lockdown, all of this stuff, their approval ratings are still higher than the Labour Party, the opposition. I mean, it's just, there's no, it's just, ah, oh, it's such a travesty. But I feel um, like in, in the US... Yeah. When politics doesn't go, you know, obviously it's bipartisan, so it's very, everyone's like, you know, on one side or the other, which has its own issues, but there's often a sense of, um, like, tragedy in that, like, you know, we're we're one election away from getting everything back on track, right? All right, we've got problems, but we can fix them, you know, just oh, if we just get our leader and it's going to be okay. Whereas I feel like in the UK, when, when things don't go our way, it, it's tragic, but there's a sense of sort of like... Yeah, that was kind of what we expected. Uh, so there's, there's no, there's no glamour or like heroic oh, fall. Um, so. Well, you're, 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 I mean, your system is different. The prime minister is, um, is not, is, is more like the, the, the your prime minister is actually a lot closer to our speaker of the house or the head of the senate. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's not really an executive office. It it's it's more like the head of the legislature. Yeah, I don't yeah. do uh, you know, but while while it, but it, but it fulfills the role of executive office. So it's a strange thing that you uh, from from our point of view um, that you have that. Oh, Although we're weird. The, for sure, we're weird. The the best description ever I saw somebody doing trying to explain American politics to a person in England was like, well, we'll see. We've got two parties. So we've got the Republican Party, which is pretty much the same as your conservative party, yep. and then we've got the Democratic Party which is pretty much the same as your conservative part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, do you reckon, do you, are you a fan of AOC? Do you reckon uh, she'll... Um, I, I, I am. I, I think she's got, I, I think she's she's matured incredibly mm-hmm. in a short time. I think she's learning uh, how to use the power that she got. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be somebody, we're going to see her... We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see her in a big way, um, swinging things if they don't kill her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which could happen. I mean, let's just be realistic. There are there are definitely for January sixth. There, there. You know, there were there were one guard away. People, if you go through all that, one guard. They were about to break into the chambers, um, where and one guard uh, said run this way like basically he ran away from them and led them in a different direction and then there were more guards who and then they were able to shore things up and they got the pe- the congress people out of the chamber but if they had gotten in there if they had broken into that chamber 
there's no way I do not for a moment believe that at least one of them upon seeing AOC and Nancy Pelosi would not have just put a bullet in them right on the spot. Um, they were, they were worked up into a mob mentality. They absolutely, if they had gotten into that chamber would have killed every democratic, uh, every Democrat in the room, they would have killed the vice president. Um, and Trump would have declared national emergency and then Congress would have had nothing but Republicans in it who would have supported him in this. And it history would have, be very different. History would be very different because of that. That one guy, he literally the democracy, America still being a democracy instead of a dictatorship rests on that one guard's shoulders. A little bit of wiggle room in the uh, space time block. That one guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> snapping into place uh, for a slightly better story. Oh man, I, yeah. man, I I, I want to be um, respectful of your time. I appreciate we've already some of this speaking for ninety minutes. Um, oh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I have so many more questions I could give you. Do you have another like, ten minutes or so, or do you want to sort of wrap this up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, okay. Just a, a couple of like uh, sort of um, uh, final sort of questions. So obviously, you've done a lot of writing. We've talked about a lot of things, um, and you mentioned a couple of sort of movies and books. But are there a particular, any particular movies or books that? You particularly love. I mean, I've given you a couple of mine, but um, oh, yeah, no, yeah, right. Well, well, um, my my favorite writer by by a mile is Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Um, and um, my my favorite of his books, um, I don't think I can, I'm, I'm not good at favorites. Okay, well, books yeah. you like, books but, you like, but but, any, but, but, but Terry Pratchett. For, yeah. Oh well, okay, yeah. So so well, there's um. In terms of Terry Pratchett, Small Gods and Thief of Time, which are both kind of standalones, like they, they don't really, um, of his series, they're the ones I usually recommend for people to mm-hmm. get their feet wet with Terry Pratchett, because they're not part of the larger story, even though Granny Weatherwax is absolutely my favorite character, um, but uh, those two. Um, in, then, of course, you've got uh, Good Omens, mm-hmm. which Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman wrote together which is a um just oh, so good yeah 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 um uh the moat in god's eye which pernell wrote and it's um it's it's set i mean just just the the the, the world building and just in that it's set humanity has expanded out into becoming a a galactic empire that empire collapsed Humanity is now rebuilding that empire, finding the the planets that were part of the empire and is essentially bringing them back in. And in that process, they have first contact with an alien species. And it's written perfectly. It's science fiction. He creates technology that is, you know, magic in the sense like how science fiction can just create technology without explaining it. But he doesn't go overboard with it. He's like, nope. Nope, this is why the aliens are where they are and the humans are where they are and they haven't met yet. It's very laid out well. And um, it actually involves a a moment that became part of my personal philosophy where, um, so the aliens come to Earth first in a a light sail ship. Mm. Okay, And that light sail, so, you know, light sail is, you know, miles in cross like huge sail and uh, it's coming in and the 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 human ship is here and the 
alien ship start turns its light sail to focus the light of the sun as like a laser ah. hitting the ship. But you know, they have like shield technology with like there that's protecting them. And uh, so the commander, but they can't take it for too long. So the commander goes dive through the sail and he does, they do that and it rips the sail apart. And somebody comments later how it was stupid for the commander to do that. Cause they didn't, he didn't know what the sail was made of. And the, the one guy goes, no, no, it's the purpose of the sail is to be as light and big as possible. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, but it could have been made some kind of super alien. stuff. we don't know what technology yeah, yeah, yeah. they have. And he goes, doesn't matter. You don't make it stronger. You make it thinner. It, no matter what, it would only be as strong as it needs to be mm-hmm. because you do that. And to me, that was like a moment of, and I read this, of course, I'm like uh, 17 years old, mm-hmm. but to me, that was a moment of going, Hey, yeah, you know, you, 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 you make all these assumptions about people, but once you understand their motivation, you know, you can just unwind so much about them. Like just, that's the whole key. Mm-hmm. What does this person really want? out of life. And I have used that so many occasions, which actually goes to a, a rule Terry Pratchett wrote one time. Rules are there so you stop and think before you break them. Mm. And and that was a Terry Pratchett line from Small Gods or maybe Thief of Time. Can't mm. remember which one. And that I, I've used that in job interviews. And I got the job nice. <laughs> where I said, so that's the thing is that they were like, well, what do you think about this? And I said, well, the rule exists. So you stop and think before you break it. And the thing you have to think is, do I know why the rule exists? Because if you don't know why a rule exists, you should you never break the rule because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. But if you know, I no, 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 you, you clearly made this rule for this reason. And I have, I have taken that into account and now I will break the rule. And that's so there. Uh, so uh, we were talking about books. Oh, movies. Oh, movies. The Man Who Shot Liberty Mountains. This the is a John shot. Wayne movie. This the man shot. Okay. Right. This is an old movie. That's all right. I my one of my favorite movies is Casablanca, so I can I can dig with it. Uh, that's a great one too. This is older than that, and it's got really? John Wayne. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's got John Wayne in it. I think it's older. Maybe I'm wrong, but it looks older to yeah. me it's, it's definitely a lower budget at the time it's got john wayne it's got jimmy stewart it's it. got uh lee marvin um when they're all young mm-hmm. and oh, i love it so much and and there are moments in it that i i think it speaks to themes that really would be uh very popular today if it were remade mm-hmm. and if i remade it i would absolutely take the john wayne role and i would give it to uh donald glover donald glover Wait, yeah, yeah Donald Glover. Yeah, Glover. Yeah. He's, he's I, I always get Danny Glover and Donald Glover mixed up, their names mixed up. But Donald Glover, um, partly because I would love that this role that was an early role for John Wayne went to a, a, a black man because mm. John Wayne was such a racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Poetry, and, and I would, I would, I would feel that that would be great. But no, it would also because it's set in the Old West just after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, that would give it a certain level of. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Potency. Uh, potency. Yes, that's yeah. a good word. It wasn't the word I was thinking for, but I like that word better. Nice. <laughs> um, potency. Um, but yeah, the man who shot Liberty Valance is one that I recommend. I, I it's hard to find. You got to like I bought it on Google Play Movies and it's in my library, 
so I can do it. I've thought about doing a live on TikTok where I just literally just put a movie on and point. Is that allowed? I, I'm pretty I don't sure that'd be somewhere. illegal. I think I think I, I've I've heard of someone getting um. But I think that happens on Twitch sometimes where they stream bits of TV shows or movies and they get uh they get their account yelled gets at for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I well, do some. I definitely don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So, um, um, I showed a little clip from it because there's a great moment where there's a there is a black character in it and he's a, I guess like a servant to John Wayne. He's a very loyal servant to john wayne and he's treated well it's not you get the vibe like he probably was a slave and now he but he was treated well so now he's like no i I work for him now Mm -hmm. and he decides to go jimmy stewart starts to teach people reading and um he he's uh he's asking the class about the the declaration of independence and this black man Pompey is his name and he's there and he's going, it's just oh, such a beautiful moment. He's, he's like, and he starts to recite the beginning of the declaration of independence. And then he stumbles at the part, all men are created equal. And he's like, and it cuts to Jimmy Stewart and Jimmy Stewart just goes, all men are created equal. And they cut back to Pompey and he goes, yeah, I always forget that part. They cut back to Jimmy Stewart and goes, a lot of people do. And just that it was a black wow. man at that time saying that you know that that exchange was like so poignant and um it's great no it's like i said it's a movie that really has themes that go now even the names like because the bad guy is liberty valance yeah liberty is like freedom unchecked the good guy jimmy stewart's character name is ransom stoddard ransom the price you pay for freedom layers i love it i'll check it out i'll check it out yeah amazing um Ah. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. I, 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 oh, sure, I sure. Speaking to you so much. Um, for, yeah, I loved, I loved uh, doing it. For the for the two people who don't know you, mainly they can find your socials on TikTok, right? That's probably the best place we can find more about you. I know you publish stories as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do have a YouTube account, mm-hmm. which um, I wrote. It was it was meant to be just a place to share my writing, so it's called I wrote it for you, mm-hmm. and I have a link to it through my TikTok account. Mm-hmm. My TikTok is Ben J Handy um and uh yeah that's that's uh that's about all that, that's it that's all i got amazing so amazing. i mean i've got a facebook presence but i don't really just it. facebook is for me and my friends that i went to high school with yeah if you find me on facebook and you send me an invite i'm probably not going to accept it <laughs> fair enough all right well i'll put it on the show notes thank you again so much and i hope we get to speak again sometime soon all right great thanks And that's the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please give us a rating on whatever app you happen to be listening to us on, or indeed share this episode with a friend who you think might enjoy it. You can follow me on all my socials at jack.loro on TikTok and on Instagram. And if you'd like to support the podcast more directly, I have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jack Lawrence. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next time.